It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I guess one of the benefits of doing a podcast and doing a business where we interact with a lot of people and ask really deep questions, not just here in the episodes of This Might Get Uncomfortable, but also anytime that we interact with any students in our programs or clients, we are big, big fans of asking questions that don't necessarily lead to answers, but perhaps get people to examine their identity, examine their sense of self, examine what they're doing in the world. You know, when we create our assessments and our programs or we ask questions to each other or guests here, it isn't necessarily because we're expecting a concrete answer. I think some of the best questions we can ask people lead them maybe further down the rabbit hole. And in a couple of our programs that we have with our brand Wellevator, Whitney and I have uh, weekly assessments in our Wellness Warrior Training Program in particular, where we ask a lot of really detailed, intimate questions at times. And the answers we get are often fascinating, sometimes compelling, sometimes sad. But I think the willingness for people to open up and answer honestly, it gives you just tremendous, I think, insight and empathy into what people are going through. And in scanning over the weekly assessments that we get with some of the answers that people are submitting, one of the things that I got a little sad about over the the weekend when I was reviewing these new assessments was how many people are sharing some version of the fact that they're not doing what they actually want to be doing in their lives, that they're not really pursuing their dreams. They're not really pursuing their hobbies. It doesn't have to be necessarily this big grandiose going after the huge dream per se, but I've just noticed that there's some version of, I really want to start learning an instrument or playing music more. I really want to start gardening. I want to start my side business. I want to start painting again. There's a lot of different permutations of this perspective. But I think the reason I got sad, Whitney, is to gauge how often this type of sentiment comes up for people. And it makes me curious why, first of all, and what's holding people back from doing this. Because if we're seeing this come up on our assessments as often as it does, I'm sure we can blow this out into a much larger conversation of why people feel stuck, why they feel maybe a sense of defeat or hopelessness, why they're not going after a new hobby, a new experiment, chasing their dream. Because the awareness is there that they're not doing it. But then we always talk about how awareness isn't the whole enchilada. It's just one step in terms of our growth and our self-awareness. It's just like, okay, I know I want to do this thing, but I'm not doing it. And then it kind of stops there. And so my curiosity and what I want to dig into in today's episode is to talk about, first of all, why people have what the hell are dreams and ambitions anyway? And why aren't people going after them? You know, I think this is a much bigger discussion maybe about the sociological ramifications or what's going on in our culture. But I don't know. I just, I think the overall feeling I got was just a little bit of sadness in reading how often this type of thing comes up. And I want to crack it open with you today. So I guess to lead it off, you know, on a very macro level, Whitney, because you and I have individually worked with a lot of people. We also coach people together. 
Why do you think people don't go for it? What's keeping people stuck in terms of this? Why do people have this realization, but then don't do shit about it? Well, it's certainly not an easy option. It's not an easy solution. I think clarity is a huge part of this. One of our popular Instagram posts recently was about how a lot of people feel like they lack motivation, but really they lack clarity. And that came from James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits. And what comes up a lot on our show, Jason, is just the amount of fear and pressure that people put on themselves. So I think it starts with awareness and and clarity is part of awareness. It starts with that desire, that passion. And then it really take like making a plan to take steps. And then once you take your first step, you have to plan for the next one and you have to be really consistent with it. In fact, I saw an interesting TikTok video about this earlier where there's a trend of people complaining about how life can feel so boring and life can feel like it's just Groundhog's Day. You know, it's the same day every day. We're just in the same rhythm and people kind of complain about that. They want a lot of excitement. And this brilliant response to that video on TikTok was a younger woman saying how we make progress through the consistency. We make progress through doing the same things over and over again. So I think part of it, Jason, is that a lot of people aren't willing to be consistent. That's where habits come in. Atomic Habits is such a phenomenal read for anyone who's struggling with things like this because it breaks down the psychology of what it takes to form habits. And creating habits is not that easy. I think as a society, we've made it sound very easy. You and I have talked about so much on the show about how there are so many people that want to provide formulas and a 10-step strategy to achieving something. So we get it into our head that it's a lot easier than it actually is. And then sometimes you work on something and you think, well, I didn't get those results, so I guess it's not going to work for me. And then you give up. But consistency is a huge key. We've also been told that habits can be formed in as quickly as 21 days, but there's some conflicting data around that. I've heard all sorts of numbers. I've heard a lot about 60 days to form a habit, you know, and I think a lot of us struggle to even do it for 21 days, let alone do something consistently for 60 days. It sounds really challenging. And then to do something consistently when you're not getting the rewards that you want, which are a huge part of habit creation. You you actually have to build in some sort of reward system in order to maintain a habit. But a lot of people give up way too early, Jason. And I think that's part of it. There's fear. So sometimes fear stops people from even starting. And then a lot of people just want quick results. They want quick wins. They want something that doesn't involve patience. And so I think we have to remember that this is a long game. I mean, this is something I know that you can relate to, Jason, because I've heard you express frustration over our brand, Wellevator, and how it doesn't feel like we're getting where you want to go with it. And when I step back and try to look at Wellevator with as little bias as I possibly can being in this business, I have to recognize that we've only been working on this brand for not even three years yet. I think we officially started working on Wellevator, maybe actually... It might have been spring 2018, but I often think about how we started to build momentum and actually put things into action in like May or or June 2018. And we're recording this at the end of February 2021. 
And I actually feel like we have made a lot of progress. You know, when we put it down on paper, there were monetary examples of progress. There was progress in terms of uh, numbers growth. There, of course, we've had a lot of wonderful moments with our podcast, which is a big part of Wellevator. And so another thing I've noticed is some people just forget about all the little pieces of progress that they're making because they're so hung up on getting the big rewards. And of course, if you don't feel like you're making progress, it's really hard to keep going. So all of this seems to me to be part of the reason that people don't want to start. And lastly, I would say that getting the momentum to begin something is the hardest part. You know, it's true of most things that we start doing. We get so accustomed to our way of living and our viewpoints, our belief systems, our brains thrive on patterns. So when we disrupt the pattern with something new in our life, it takes us time to adapt to it. This is so true when it comes to fitness. This is true when it comes to changing the way that you eat. And it's absolutely true with changing your life in any big way. Even when we're unhappy, we get very comfortable with that unhappiness. So we have to push ourselves to do things differently and recognize that it will probably take a week, two weeks, three weeks, or more for us to actually get accustomed to that change and make it easier and easier. Yeah, I mean, that's my perspective on this is that most people aren't willing to start because it feels too hard to start. Well, maybe that's one of the reasons why we chose the name we did for this podcast, you know, is acknowledging that the desire for familiarity, the desire for comfort, the desire for safety, if it's clung to too intently, prevents oneself from moving forward because it feels really safe in some ways to, you know, stay at mom and dad's house for the rest of your life. It stays really safe to perhaps reflecting back some of the assessment feedback we've received. You know, people saying things like, I'm in a job I don't really like, but I'm comfortable and it provides for my family. And especially with the backdrop of a pandemic and the roller coaster of the economic system, I'm seeing people alluding to the fact that they don't really love what they're doing. They don't really like their work, but they're staying there because it's comfortable and it provides. And so to break down your sentiment, Whitney, of a lot of factors here, I think it's really about like, what is it we're ultimately fearing anyway? Is it death? Is it the destruction of our reputation? Is it losing trust and social standing with our friends and family and the people we care about? You know, when you talk about fear, I agree with you. And I think it's important to speak out loud what these fears are because people say, I'm afraid of failure. It's like, well, what does that mean? Does failure mean to you you're going to feel a sense of shame because your family is going to say, yeah, I told you so. You shouldn't have started that new business. You shouldn't have gone for your dreams. Is it a fear of being shamed? Does failure equal shame? Does failure equal a loss of identity? Does failure equal death? I mean, it really, I think when we're talking about fears wit and we're bringing up what's holding people back in their perception of life, I think it's really important to go levels deeper because so often people are just like, you know, yeah, I'm scared. It's like, okay, what are you scared of? Are the things we are actually scared of the things we're scared of? Or are there things that are deeper than that? And I think oftentimes it's a deeper conversation. You know, if we talk about failure, for instance, right? I think, for, you know, for me, when I've observed my fear of failure, it's more like a sense of, how do I say this? Letting the people in my life down because I feel like when I go for something and I perceive that I failed at it, 
it's almost like, look at the amount that other people have invested in me. Look at the coaches I've worked with. Look at the teachers. Look at my mentor. Look at my mom. Look at you as my business partner. You know, For me, I, I've acknowledged that there's a lot of people who have helped me a lot in my life. And I feel like in some ways, my idea of failure is like, I've let everyone down. And then if I've let everyone down, what does that mean? They're not going to love me as much. It's almost the illusion, right? I think a lot of times failure, the fear of failure is not actually based in reality. Because if I follow that thread for myself, Wit, as an example in real time, it's the idea that I won't be loved as much and I won't be respected as much by the people I care about if I have failed, which is not true, right? I mean, you and I have talked a lot about the perceived failures I've had in my life and my career. I've talked to the people in my life and no one's ever said, yeah, Jason, you're not as lovable. What a piece of shit you are. (laughs) No one's ever said anything like that. So I think part of this conversation is not just speaking the fears out loud and going those levels deeper, but asking if those fears are actually even valid. Is it even a valid fear? Does it even exist in reality that if I don't do this or I fail at X, this thing that I'm afraid of will actually happen? Because I think most times it's not actually a valid fear in the sense that those things will actually happen. Or if I take a big financial risk, will I be homeless? You know, My father was homeless at the end of his life. So one of my big things is like, wow, if I invest all this money or I do this thing and I fail and I don't have any money left, I'll end up homeless. Is that a valid fear? No. I could go live in a friend's house. I could, you know, there's plenty of people who have actually said to me, if things get really hard, you can come stay with me. So then again, if I fail and I take a big financial risk and I, it doesn't turn out, would I be homeless? No. Would I have a roof over my head? Yes. So my point in breaking this down with to just use your fear conversation as a springboard, I think most of the fears for me, and I would surmise most people may not even be grounded in a, in an actual thing. Sometimes they are, but I'm, I'm curious, how do you feel about that in your, like maybe your own internal conversation around your fears? Do you feel like they're grounded in reality or do you feel like it's an illusion of the mind that that part of your consciousness is trying to convince you is real? How do you feel about that? It's interesting because I have reflected a lot about these things and I don't have a ton of conscious fear. It's an interesting thing to reflect on when you're not in a fear state. It's similar to me to pain where you kind of forget what pain's like when you're not experiencing pain. And in this moment, I feel fairly secure and fear feels really minimal. I feel safe. I feel supported. I feel taken care of. I feel confident. And it's rare that I'm presented with an opportunity that causes me to feel fear in a major way, but I think it plays a lot of mini roles in our lives. Like when I think about something like COVID and how I feel afraid of getting COVID, you know, I feel afraid of how that would impact me in the short term and the long term. I feel afraid of the unknowns. So that's the best way I can relate to fear in this moment, Jason. And I, I think it's a complicated thing and also a simple thing at the same time, because it's very primal as human beings, you know, we experience fear oftentimes for a reason. And over time, it's become a bit confusing to us because for the most part, our survival isn't being threatened. I think that's why COVID is fearful to me because it feels tied into my survival. 
But fear in terms of pursuing a passion, fear in terms of changing my lifestyle, I personally don't experience a lot of that, but perhaps that's because I'm in practice of it. And this goes back to what I was saying about how important it is to develop habits and be consistent. I'm in the habit of trying new things all the time. I'm in the habit of experimenting. It's not that it isn't uncomfortable. It's just that it doesn't feel like a super strong fear. And a great example is how earlier today, Jason and I reached out to a really big celebrity to see if this person would be on our show, our podcast. That was nerve wracking, but I did it anyways. You know, I could reflect on it and think, all right, I feel uncomfortable doing this, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I was afraid. So I think that's an important thing to clarify for yourself is, is it fear or is it discomfort? Because they can be similar, but it all depends on the context, I suppose. I think too, they can be very close to one another because it's almost like trying something new that makes you uncomfortable. What is the source of discomfort is really, I think, a good sub question to this. When we do things that feel uncomfortable, why is it uncomfortable? Is it because on a cellular level, we're just not used to it in in terms of, say, like trying a new sport? You know, if somebody's never snowboarded before and they get their feet into a snowboard, that could be a very basic kind of example of discomfort. Oh, I've never put my feet on a board this way. I've never done this activity. But I think the example you talked about, Wit, of us, you know, drafting this email and sending it out with this potential celebrity guest here on the podcast to talk about her mental health journey, et cetera. It's not that it was uncomfortable to draft an email and send it. It's almost like the discomfort is, ooh, are we going to be rejected? That to me, I think, is the zoning in. It's not the actual creation and the writing and the sending of an email. You and I, we write and we send emails and newsletters and social posts hundreds of times a month. I mean, it's whatever, you know, it's not the writing and distribution. It's the, I think it's asking someone and being like, they might say no. Uh Uh-oh, they might say no. Because there's nothing wrong with no. It's really how you and I choose to internalize what the meaning of no is. We talk a lot about conscious languaging. And we talk a lot about self-awareness. And I think oftentimes we can get a response when we put a request out. And I remember this is so, (laughs) there's a mutual friend of ours who a few years ago, I was on a trip and I told this person that I had a crush on them and I was freaking terrified to do it because it was like, well, okay, what's the terrifying part? Is the terrifying part telling a friend that I have a crush on them and like expressing like, hey, I feel like these warm feelings for you and, and I don't quite know what to do with it. And I wanted to let you know because I don't want to keep carrying this around. I want to put it out in the open. Okay. The fear is not in human communication and expressing this heartfelt sentiment to a person I care about who's a friend who I have romantic interests in. It's, ooh, they may not reciprocate. And then what does that mean? If they say, ooh, I don't really feel the same way. Does that mean I'm bad? Does that mean I'm unworthy of love, right? It's not the no, it's all of the meanings and associations we slap on top of it. I'm unworthy. 
I'm not attractive enough. Why doesn't she feel the same way about me? Did I do something wrong? Or am I going to jeopardize the friendship? Right? It's a simple no or a simple I don't feel the same way has all of these layers of meaning we put on top of it. So I think to your point, Whitney, whether it's professing our love to someone, whether it's taking a risk in a new business, whether it's sending an email to a celebrity contact and asking them to collab, it's not really the answer. It's the meaning we assign to the answer. And I think that's true for all of life. I mean, one might say that, I suppose, from a philosophical perspective, that life itself is neutral. You know, that a yes or a no, a right or a wrong, or a this or that, it, that we assign meaning to things, but they're inherently meaningless. Because a yes, you know, a yes or a no from a person can have vastly different meanings. You know, if you notice, say, in a relationship, when a relationship ends, be that a romantic or a business partnership or whatever the context is, oftentimes one person in that relationship container will sometimes feel devastated and then the other person can feel liberated like they're free. The fact is a relationship ended. It's neither right nor wrong, good nor bad, but the meaning that people associate on a relationship ending or changing form, that's really where the emotional charge comes in. So I think this is a really interesting framework to look at life and say, is what's happening actually good or bad? Or is it just my framing and my belief system that is coloring it that way? Because you and I getting a, you know, a no response from a celebrity, is that going to crush us? Is it going to destroy our day and, and you know, annihilate you and our sense of who we are, Whitney? No, it won't. For a minute, it might be like, oh, that sucks. But if we were to take it to heart and say, oh, we must suck ass. We must be horrible podcast hosts. We must be shitty entrepreneurs. We're not popular enough. That's why she said no, because, oh, look at our numbers. I bet she looked at the numbers and went, who are these plebeians? I'm not going to do it with these. We could layer all that on top of it, and it may not even be true. But that's our filter, perhaps, if we were to go down that road of not an, our perception of not enoughness playing out in our lives, right? But I'm proud of us, you know, in a sm you talk about small wins of like, we didn't let it destroy our day. We could have, we really could have, we could have let that have, a, we, we could have been like, our day is shit now. She said no to us, but we didn't. So I guess my point is, I think a lot of this is about belief system of who we are, but also our perspective on our worldview, because it's easy. We talk about habits, Whitney. I think it's easy to get into a mode of feeling defeated. And I know that place because it feels like when I feel like life is just defeat after defeat after defeat, it's hard to feel hopeful. It's almost like your brain and your physiology starts expecting to be defeated. Why should I bother sending the email? They're just going to say no. Why should I create this collaboration or this invitation? They're just going to say no because the last 10 people said no. The last 20 people said no. And so now we're talking about where does fortitude and resilience come from? This is an interesting conversation. And I know you know what rejection feels like. I think we all do as humans, especially if you take risks and you're a creative person and you're in business for yourself. And so I'm curious, like building that muscle of resilience and persistence, Whitney, what's that like for you? And, you know, how do we not get stuck in the defeat cycle? Because it's really easy to stay stuck there. I think it's really practice. I mean, I'll just keep coming back to the same things I said at the beginning where it's about consistency. You just have to practice it because we never know what the outcome is going to be of anything. Even something that we've done over and over and over again could be different and probably is slightly different every single time. And we do know that pain is often connected to our expectations. So if we go into something expecting it, to work out for us and it doesn't work out, that's very painful. If we go into something without expecting something and it works out, that's exciting. 
if we go into something with without expectations and it doesn't work out, it's not really that big of a deal. I think that was part of this experience that we had inviting this celebrity onto our podcast. Like, I'm sure there were some expectations or maybe hope is a better word. And there was confidence that built up because you and I were very intentional about the way we approach this. And we, you know, found a connection to this person. And, you know, we, we did our diligence there. And there's, for me, like, okay, there's a chance this is going to work out. There's a chance somebody is going to say yes, but there really always is a chance. It's very rare in life that something is like guaranteed (laughs) not to go right or guaranteed to go the way that we want it to, you know? But anyways, I think if you try to be aware of your expectations and you say, okay, I understand that there is a high chance of this going well, or I understand there's a high chance of this not going well, then whatever the outcome is, if it's in alignment with your understanding of something, then it's it's a little less painful, I suppose. <laughs> you know, like I think because perhaps I guess if I think about this situation again, maybe my expectation, if there was one there, Jason, was that I expected it wasn't going to work out. And that's why it wasn't so hard. I had hoped that it would work out in our favor. So the sadness I experienced when we were told no was was there because of that hope. And I also think I have mental habits of feeling uncomfortable when I feel rejected. So because that did feel like a form of rejection, it did feel slightly uncomfortable because those are lingering emotions that I've experienced, right? So again, it's very complicated, but I think what makes it easier is that we have practiced our awareness. We have worked on ourselves consistently. We have done our best to not have major expectations one way or another. And all of that practice makes these situations easier than they might have been when we weren't in the practice. And again, it's very similar to the way that we eat. You know, some people think, wow, it's amazing that you've been plant based for so long. Wow, it's amazing that you are confident speaking in your podcast or Clubhouse or making TikTok videos. Like people will say these things to me. And I try to be really transparent and say, it's really because I'm in practice with all of those things. But you put me in a place where I'm in, I haven't practiced something as much. I'm not going to be as good, right? Like, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example because like practice is really important to me. Consistency is really important to me. So that's like my go-to and having that mentality of I'm probably not going to be great at something when I begin it. But if I do it consistently, I practice it consistently, I will get better that mindset has helped me a lot in all these situations. Expectations are tough because I think that expectations are often wrapped up in the conversation around perfectionism and ego in the sense that if I just do everything right, then I ought to get this result. If I just check all the boxes, if I work with the right coach or the right mentor, or I go to the right business school, or I get the right education, if I marry the quote right person, if I There's so many permutations of this. When you think about wanting a certain outcome, I really think that on a primal level, human beings are wired for survival, right? And if we take certain precautions, it's like, okay, if if I fortify my house in a particular way, 
then I can expect that it's going to be really tough for you know thieves to break into my house. If I buy a certain car that has you know safety features, then I ought to be able to survive an accident. I mean, it's a lot of examples in life I think of as humans where we use sort of these neurological predictive models in our brain to think if I just do this thing, buy this thing, take this right action, then I have an expectation that I'm going to get what I want or I'm going to prevent what I don't want. That's another side of it too. But it's interesting how we as humans sort of compartmentalize danger to get through our day. Because the reality is every single time that we go in a car and we drive or go on a motorcycle or a bicycle or take a walk, there's a chance that we can get into an accident. There is. Every single time that we do those things, there is a chance that we could get hit, get into an accident, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, how many times are we in a car driving thinking like, oh my God, I have to be hyper. What about that guy? What about this? Oh, I need to swerve there. I need to do this. We're not in a hyper vigilant state of trying to protect ourselves or prevent death in every single moment we're in a car. But yet, there are situations that come up that do feel life-threatening in our lives. You know, I think it's interesting how we can engage in activities like, again, driving a car that is probably a much higher risk to our actual physical health than sending an email and possibly getting rejected. Yet, we put a lot more weight, the perceived danger of, uh, you know, of something like getting rejected, even though it's not going to threaten us per se. It's interesting how we do that as humans. We compartmentalize actual dangers and act like they don't exist moment to moment, but then the illusion of danger of something like rejection or our ego getting bruised, we put so much more importance on those things. I don't know. I just think it's so interesting. So we're talking about mental state here, right? And we're talking about, I suppose, feelings, because all of this comes down to how we perceive the world and how we look at things like rejection or danger or risk-taking is really about our relationship to emotions. Because if we didn't have emotions and we didn't have a mental state, then none of this stuff would matter. But we are extremely emotional creatures as human beings. And Whitney and I are super passionate about how do we feel good, knowing that we're not going to feel good all of the time. But I'm a big fan in terms of looking at different ways that I can eat, live, breathe, sleep, make a love, dance, create music, things that are going to make me feel good. Because we know that when you start the day and you feel good, it tends to carry a thread throughout your entire day, right? So we have been rocking out with a lot of different things over the years as we do. We experiment. We're big life experimentalists. And uh, we've talked about our mutual love for CBD, for cannabis products, for psychotropic medicine, plant medicines. And uh, truth be told, I didn't really know a whole lot about this product recently. There's something out there called terpenes. And terpenes are these aromatic, complex plant compounds that you'll find in everyday foods like pineapple, which I take for a variety of reasons. Wink, wink. I don't know if we can say that. It's a family podcast. I eat pineapple, Whitney, so that hopefully my semen tastes better, okay? I'll just come right out and say it. We have an explicit rating, so I think you can say whatever. I, know, I, I wouldn't call it, this a family podcast. <laughs> it felt weird. Why does he eat pineapple? To make his semen taste better. It's true. Fine. That's why I do it, okay? So the things in pineapple and things like basil and- And girls do that too, by the way. You know, it's not just guys. The pineapple oh, yeah. thing? Yeah, for sure. I didn't know that. I thought it was just a guy thing. I think it makes everyone's genitals more appealing. <laughs> 
And to that end, what is it about the pineapple that makes your genitals more appealing? Well, there's a compound, as I was saying, in natural foods called terpenes. And these are aromatic compounds that you find in flowers, in spices, in herbs, in fruits, and vegetables. And there are a lot of these terpenes out there that they've isolated in research that you will find that can enhance things like your mood, sleep, sexual activity. It's really cool to dig into the research of terpenes because I think CBD and THC and these other compounds, they're the sexier ones, right? Everyone talks about, yeah, you want your CBD and your CBN and your THC, but these terpenes are found in a product that we're super jazzed about, super jazz hands. That's how jazzed we are. We throw up jazz hands and it's a product called Rellies. And Rellies is a blend of different proprietary terpenes that are aimed at mood enhancement. So the one that we've been rocking lately, we've actually been doing all three of theirs, but the one we're doing right now during the day and that I do during the day is called Joy. Why is that? Because I tend to be a grumpy bastard. Uh, Whitney knows this. My friends know that I'm a grumpy son of a bitch. I love you, mom. You're not actually a bitch. It's just a colloquial term, but I am. I'm a grumpy bastard, you know, and you know this. You're a business partner and one of my best friends, Whitney, and you put up with my grumpiness all the time. So not only for your benefit, but the world's benefit, I want to cultivate more joy in my life. I do that through my meditation practice. I do that through dancing. I'm a musician, but I'm always looking for stuff to kick that joy factor up a little bit. So I take three of these in my mouth. I actually take three full dropperfuls and I do find that it gives me a little bit of lift. It takes the edge off in the middle of my day because I found too, Wit, that right around the middle of my day, I tend to have like an energy dip and start to feel extra grumpy right around like 3, 3.30. So that's when I hit this, when I take a few dropperfuls of Rellies. And the other one that I've been enjoying that I've been rocking too is their Calm. But since we're talking about joyfulness, since we're talking about breaking through fear, I think when you do feel joyful in life, joy and fear can't necessarily occupy the same space, emotionally speaking. I think when we break through our fear, it's like, ooh, I'm so glad I did that. But I'm wondering if we can face our fears joyfully. So I'm just digging this Rally stuff. It tastes delicious. I'm loving experimenting with all of their terpenes. And for you, dear listener, we actually have a really cool offer for you if you want to try out these terpene products. And again, these terpenes are all plant-based. They're fully natural. There's no CBD. There's no THC. There's no psychoactive elements at all. So if you like some people I know, don't really want to go down the train of taking the CBD or the THC because maybe it doesn't you know, jive with your neurology. Maybe you don't want to get high. These terpenes do not get you high. They're non-psychoactive. They just naturally and gently, I want to say that, they gently elevate your state of being. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, I'm a naturally joy and I'm kind of freaky and everyone's really scared because I'm really happy. It's not like that. It's a very gentle onset of mood balancing. So we're super stoked about it and we have a special offer in our show notes at wellevator.com, it's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We have a link there and you can actually save 20% on your first order of these amazing terpenes from Rellies. The coupon code is the number two zero followed by the word Wellies, W-E-L-L-I-E-S. I love how they did that, Whitney. They combined our two names. They took Rellies and made it Wellies. which was very creative. We love Ryan and Jake, the founders of the company. And uh, again, dear listener, go to our show notes, click on that link, and then use the coupon code 2020WELLIES, W-E-L-L-I-E-S. I I don't know if it's going to make your genitals taste better. It may. We'd love to hear that feedback, but they are delicious. And who doesn't want good tasting genitals? I mean, really, who wouldn't want that wit? Luckily, we know the people behind this brand that they are not going to be offended that made that thread through. But I know that Joy contains citrus, cloves, and rosemary. I'm wondering if there is any 
benefits. I did look up briefly. I don't know if pineapple has as much of an effect on our body as we think it does in terms of taste, but it tastes really good. So, you know, I'm all for it. I actually saved my daily dose of joy <laughs> in terms of rallies, at least for this podcast episode, because I wanted to demonstrate. I And it's funny, Jason, because I just put the dropper up. You do it per drop or you do... Is that what you're saying? You just do... Because the bottle says... I do a whole dropper full. But you said something about three. Three what? Three drops? Three entire dropper fulls. No, I do I do oh. three entire dropper fulls. Do, do, do the whole thing. You know what's so funny is I didn't even think to take that much because on the bottle it says one dropper full and I often follow the rules. But with you being a rebel, I actually want to try taking more. So I might as well right now. It does taste really good, I have to say. I love the taste of MCT oil and the texture of it. So good. I mean, it's interesting because this does have a bit of a tropical flavor to me, but it says citrus, cloves, and rosemary. Doesn't it taste kind of tropical to you, Jason? It does slightly. I think it's the citrus in there. And, you know, I think to your point about dosage, though, Whitney, I find with any kind of plant medicine that I'm doing, whether that's supplements or CBD, THC, psychedelics, the dosage for one person is going to vary from individual to individual. So I noticed that for me, I tend to have a higher tolerance for something like CBD or I found with these terpenes. And that's why I do three droppers full. So I actually completely ignored the advice on the label. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to triple the dosage and see how I feel. And honestly, that's my sweet spot. You know, if your body tends to be more sensitive to things like terpenes, flower essences, plant medicines, you may want to do the lower dosage like you did, Whitney. But again, because I'm rebellious and again, I want flavored genitals. Again, we're not saying that the terpenes are going to make your genitals change their taste. It's just a big joke. What it is going to do, hopefully, is elevate your mood. And that's the whole point of this product. And again, why we've started taking it, why it's part of my daily supplementation routine now. And on a piggyback that, like some people are anti-supplement. I think we did a whole episode in the very beginning of this podcast, Whitney, about how people were like, I don't want to take supplements. But for me... But this doesn't feel like a supplement to me. No. Like, when I think of supplement, I think of either a pill or I think of like you're trying to supplement for something that you're not getting or doing another way. And to me, I can't imagine that anyone would be like, I'm not taking this tincture because it's a supplement. <laughs> I actually think a good segue from talking about this is the joy that you were talking about of like passion and pleasure, which are a huge part of this as well, because many of us want more pleasure in our life and it comes in so many forms. And for me, I love, first of all, looking at the bottles gives me pleasure. I love that it's in the blue glass because there are all different pieces of research about the glass that you store things in. But I believe that blue glass also adds an energetic element to it, which is really neat. The labels are incredible. And I wanted to say too that I've added this into a ritual. One of the best things that works for me with Rellies, but also other actual supplements I take, like a bioptimizers, who we've had on our show too. And another one, we have a lot of amazing guests. The guys from Rellies are coming on our show in the next few days, by the way. We had Wade from Bioptimizers come on our show, and we also had Vani from True Vani. And so it's kind of a coincidence that all of their products are on my desk, but they're on my desk because I really love these brands. 
And I keep my rallies along with the other supplements here at my desk so that when I do have a moment where I'm, my mood is feeling low, to your point, Jason, I will take them. So they're in my vision, my line of sight, which is actually a big part of habits. We are so visually activated that just by seeing something, it can trigger a behavior, right? So that's why I keep them on my desk. But also sometimes just looking at the bottle of something like this brings me joy. I don't even have to take it. I just see the word joy and I will experience some joy. And I think that's a really important element is that when you're buying products that are made with love and intention and integrity, it goes a long way because they put a lot of thought into this. And then when you position them in your life to make sure that you remember to take them, because that's a big thing when it comes to anything that we consume. My water is another big element of this. I keep my water bottle full and in my line of sight all day long so that I will continue to drink it. And I, I think I've mentioned before how my specific water bottle lights up at the bottom. So if you're watching on YouTube, here's the visual. It actually flashes and it catches my attention. So as long as it's somewhere in my periphery, I will drink my water more frequently. You can also set up alerts on your devices. I wear an Apple watch. You could set up calendar alerts to take your supplements at certain times. Like Jason, for you, you are very aware that you experience a lull in your mood around 3.30 p.m. So maybe it would help you to put it on your calendar for at least three weeks straight until you get into the habit where you don't even think about it anymore. Like you know it every day at 3.30, you're taking your rallies joy and noticing the effects that it has. I also keep, we'll talk about this in, in another episode, but I keep my rallies calm next to my bed. And every night before I go to bed, I take some to help me stay more relaxed. And again, it's part of my whole ritual. This is how habits are developed. So I think this really ties well into this conversation, Jason, because we're looking to experience more joy in our life. We're looking to experience pleasure and passion with our personal lives and our professional lives. And we have to set ourselves up for success. We have to give ourselves the visual cues. We have to add things into our calendar. We have to commit to being consistent with it. And that's actually why you and I developed our program, The Consistency Code. For the listener, consistency is incredibly challenging. Most people struggle with it, myself included. I, it has become easier for me because I've set up these systems. I'm a very systems-oriented person, if you haven't noticed. I thrive within systems. I thrive when I know what to do and when. I think the other part of this, too, is, is the importance we place on these habits. Because to your point, with the supplements, in terms of my mental health and my emotional wellness, I know that if I, and this has happened to me, if I run out of my supplements, as an example, and I'm off of them for like a week or 10 days, I notice a difference in my mood and my emotional state. So I know that if I have, and I have a shelf in my cabinet, in my kitchen, that's just for my supplements. And I have them lined up in the order of when I'm going to take them throughout the day, right? I have my morning supplements, I have my afternoon supplements, and then I have my pre-sleep supplements. So I know if that regimen is serving me and it's a non-negotiable every day, 
that I'm going to see a palpable difference in my my mental health and my emotional state because that's why I'm taking the supplements. For longevity, sure, hopefully. We don't know how long we're going to live. But from a day-to-day perspective of my mood and my emotions, I know that taking those supplements at different times of day and in a specific order are good for my body, right? It's a non-negotiable. Same thing with my morning meditation. I know if I don't do it, it's going to have a profound effect on my day. And so I think what we're talking about, Whitney, too, in terms of habits and trying new things and moving past the discomfort, you know, it's like I've been in physical therapy after my motorcycle accident for a couple months now, right? And the exercises I do every day, they're not fun. They're actually kind of painful, not in a detrimental painful way, but he's got me, you know, doing weight bearing and doing bands. And if anyone, if any of the listeners have ever been in physical therapy, you know that as you progress, you get more and more difficult, challenging exercises as your body continues to strengthen and balance, right? But for me, I know that if, if I don't do my PT, Whitney, I'm going to feel worse as a result. My body's going to freeze up. My shoulder's going to lock up. I'm not going to have as much strength. It's going to hurt. So in some ways, are some of my personal habits motivated by my desire to feel good? Yes. But there's also the dualistic notion that I know if I don't do them, I'm probably going to feel worse. So it's sometimes I think when our motivations in life as humans, they can be very, very similar in the sense of I want to feel good. And I know if I don't do X, Y, Z, I'm going to probably feel worse because when I've lagged on those in the past, when I've skipped out on a day of PT, when I've missed my supplements for a few days, I notice a difference. So I think it's really important for us when we talk about the creation of new habits to think about how important are they and what's the deeper level of importance of why we're doing what we're doing. I think it's a huge part of this conversation. And to your point, setting ourselves up for success by saying, okay, I know that I have a specific you know, shelf for my supplements. I know that I want to get out three times a day and walk my dog. So I'm taking Bella's leash and I'm putting it by the door. So when I look at the door, I see her leash and I'm reminded to take her on a walk. So to your point, the systems and visual cues are, I think, in tandem with getting clear about why we're doing what we're doing. I think that's a pretty good basic system for creating these new habits. Whether we stick with them, who knows? That's another thing about sticking with them. But creating new habits, I think these are really basic tips that people can use for sure. And my lull is coming. So I'm going to take my rallies right now because I feel that it's almost 3.30 and the lull, the release the Kraken. It's coming. So I'm going to take a hit. I don't know if it would go so well with water because it's oil, MCT oil. However, it probably would go really well with coffee or tea because MCT oil is commonly mixed into coffee. So we should ask the Rellies team and find out. And if so, stay tuned because we're going to be talking about Rellies in a few different episodes. So I think that's a great idea, Jason. And if anyone here tries anything with rallies instead of just like dropping it in your mouth, but maybe actually combining it with other things to make it part of a ritual, I think is really smart. You know, they also have the product focus, which we'll talk about in another episode. And that would be fantastic in coffee, I imagine, because a lot of people drink caffeine in order to help themselves stay energized and focused. So I love that idea. Yeah. And I'm also just kind of feeling like I always want to take things and make them into other things. There's a new product that we'll talk about in a different episode that I just got for the first time today, Whitney. It's a chocolate fudge that is infused with medicinal mushrooms. It's a squeezable in a bottle chocolate fudge 
And so that's another product that I'm excited to talk about in future episodes because I literally just got it today. And so we'll talk about that. The reason we share all this to you, dear listeners, because we get excited and stoked about trying new things and we get even more excited when they work and we feel a difference. So whenever we talk about this stuff, it's because we want to pass these nuggets of wisdom on to you and maybe you get as jazzed and excited and genitally flavored as we do. I don't know. You know, it's we just want to pass along the love. So, and you got to remember to have fun in life. We're talking about a lot about in this episode about fears and failure and habits and these episodes. I don't know that we feel serious, but I feel like the subject matter sometimes about, you know, improving our lives and doing better can feel so serious. And I think it's important to remember to take the pressure off and not be so serious about improving ourselves and optimizing ourselves and being a better person and 10xing our lives and it can feel so heavy and so pressure filled and so we're big fans of taking the pressure off and having a little more damn fun with this whole process of being a human that's one of the reasons we started this podcast that we oftentimes talk about maybe heavier subjects trauma and things like that but ultimately i think laughter and fun are medicine these are emotional medicines that we need to cultivate more of so with that I think we're wrapping yet another episode here of This Might Get Uncomfortable. If you have any ideas on any of the subject matter we talked about, passion, purpose, fears, failure, any of the things, or maybe even new recommendations on products. We always love when we get messages of people like, oh, dude, yeah, but you have you tried this? We often get messages from listeners turning us on to new products. So whatever you want to say, discuss, share with us, you can email us directly. It's hello at wellevator.com. And again, visit our website, go to the show notes, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, wellevator.com. We have the transcript for this episode and all of our entire episodes, including our link to Rellies and that coupon code for you to save 20%, which again is two zero wellies, 20 W-E-L-L-I-E-S. So with that, I'm going to have a very late lunch and prevent the grumpiness from creeping in. The 3.30 grumpiness shall be cut off at the pass, not going to let it creep in. And that's another thing. I think sometimes if we sense that we are having something creep into us like grumpiness, irritability, mood swings, I'm getting much better at kind of diverting them before they take hold and kind of ruin my day. I think that's another part of this conversation is being proactive about making sure that we're nourished, we're hydrated, we're supplemented, we're taking care of our needs before we spin off on an emotional roller coaster. And I'm certainly wanting to get better with that day by day in my life. With that, dear listener, we appreciate you listening, supporting, reviewing, sharing our podcast. We get messages all the time from people we don't even know listen, and they're like, oh yeah, I've been listening for months. It's like, we didn't know you were doing that. So whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time fanatic, we love you and appreciate you. And we will be back again soon with more supplements, more spelunking of the soul, more perspectives on this crazy ride called life. And as always, thanks for getting uncomfortable. And we will be back again soon. Love you. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.